This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. As far as, you know, what we have going on here, I kind of live by saying if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away. Obviously, we're doing something right if you got to talk about us when we don't play you till week four. Sean Payton's not shy about letting people know how he feels about things. If he gets asked a question, he's going to answer it bluntly. And I think that's what he was doing while also sending a message to everybody within his organization about what the culture is going to be moving forward. For a guy like Sean Payton, it was a small move by him. You don't have to mention his name. You don't have to mention the New York Jets. If you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. One of the quotes of the year. He's <laughs> there. We go on a Friday here on Candy and Carlin. I'm Michelle Smallman. He's Gabe Neitzel. ESPN Radio and ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And Gabe Robert Sala said, "If you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping." And that was in response to Broncos head coach Sean Payton and the comments that he made about the New York Jets and specifically their offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett and the job he did with the 2022 Broncos. He said it was one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL and that there were 20 dirty hands around Russell Wilson's career worst season, just 16 touchdown passes and a league high 55 sacks. He says, everything I heard about last season, we're doing the opposite. I loved reading those quotes, not because I thought that everything he said was spot on, Gabe, but because I love the drama in the NFL. I love that Sean Payton is throwing these comments out there. I love that Robert Sala is responding. I was waiting to hear what Nathaniel Hackett might have to say. But unfortunately... Sean Payton, he walked it back a little bit. Here's what he had to say about those comments he made to USA Today. I had one of those moments where I still had my Fox hat on and not my coaching hat on. You know, I said this to the team in the meeting yesterday. We've had a great offseason relative to that, you know, and I've been preaching that message. And here I am, the veteran, you know, stepping in it. It was it was a learning experience for me. It was a mistake. Obviously, I needed a little bit more filter. There's a pound of flesh for these guys. And, and as a coach, you stick up for them. And after a while, we're past that season last year. And, you know, I said what I said. And obviously, I needed it a little bit more restraint. And uh, I regret that. All right, Gabe, how do you translate that? Uh, I'm sorry I said what I said, but I stand by what I said. <laughs> that was basically what happened, right? Like, it, it didn't seem like he was at all backing down of his defense of Russell Wilson, and he certainly went too far. He didn't need to throw the number of people he did under the bus to defend Russell Wilson. I think there was probably a more deft way to do it, but instead he decided to throw everyone under the bus and like would continue to throw people under the bus to the point where he's like, oh, look what's going on with the Jets right now. All the pomp and circumstance going on out there and all this attention that they're going to get and watch Hard Knocks. I guarantee it's going to blow up in their face and all those things where... Well, that's also now where Nathaniel Hackett happens to be as the offensive coordinator after the failed stint as the head coach of Denver last season. It, it, he he went too far, but I'm with you. Like, hey, I mean, it, we, we've had some unfortunate injuries in week one NFL training camp. This is a little bit more fun when you can get a little bit more drama, especially when these two teams in the Jets and Broncos are going to be playing early in the regular season. Right. So you you mentioned the comments that he made about the Jets. Here's the exact quote. He said, we're not doing any of that. The Jets did that last last year. You watch hard knocks, all of it. I can see it coming. Remember when Dan Snyder put that dream team together? I was at the Giants. I was a young coach. I thought, how are we going to compete with them? Dion is there now. That team won eight games or whatever. So just listen, put the work in. So he said that specifically about the Jets. Here's Robert Sala's comments in response to Sean Payton's initial words. 
Well, I'm not going to acknowledge Sean on that. Is you know he's been in the league a while; he can say whatever the hell he wants. But as far as you know, what we have going on here, I, I kind of live by saying, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away. <laughs> I, can I add? How is the follow-up question not? All right, Robert, how long has that been your motto in life? Like, how long have you been living by the words, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping? Like, I just, yeah. just out of curiosity. Do we have it, like, needle pointed on a pillow or something? You know what I mean? Like, like what's the genesis Does of it? Does he have it up on the wall at his home? I have so many followers. Yes, yeah. but, Gabe, if. If you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping is Robert Sala's phrase, and the Jets are popping. The Jets have popped off. And you are our official, Canty and Carlin, Aaron Rodgers insider, being based in Wisconsin. <laughs> You've covered him a long time. You yeah, know him. Yeah. There's a lot of talk around the Jets, a lot of stuff popping off about the Jets, a lot of pressure and attention surrounding this team that hasn't made the playoffs in 12 years. So knowing what you know about Aaron Rodgers, do you think that this attention and this pressure is a good thing for him, or do you think it could be detrimental? I think it's a good thing for him because it's something that he has invited over the last couple of years and last year didn't go great for the Packers. It didn't go great for Aaron Rodgers. He didn't have a spectacular season but he also had a broken thumb and the two previous years he was an MVP while inviting all of the attention whether it was for you know his off the field stances or anything happening on the field. He's He's been getting this attention. He thrives off this attention. It's what he wants. Now I'm curious to see if some of that ends up, you know, the attention that he gets because of who he has been over the last handful of years. Does does that end up affecting Garrett Wilson? Does he end up getting mm-hmm. some more some of that attention as a young wide receiver? Does it end up affecting members of his offensive line or on the defense? And does some of that attention that he gets start to, you know, negatively affect some of his teammates? That remains to be seen. But I think Aaron Rodgers thrives off this. I think he wants that attention. He's he's ready to go because he's ready for anybody like, you know, Sean Payton stepping up and going, oh, that's not going to work out for them. That's just adding fuel to the Aaron Rodgers fire. This guy has never forgotten a slight in his life. <laughs> that's true. So if you think that, I mean, he's he's going to take that Sean Payton comment, and that's another, you know, he's going to put it in his back pocket, and that's another person that's doubting him, and he's going to go out there and prove all the haters wrong. That's that's the Aaron Rodgers approach that he's taking this season for the New York Jets. Well, and Gabe and I would also love to give get your perspective on Aaron Rodgers reworking his contract. He voluntarily reduced his salary by about $35 million over the next two seasons. And we had wondered after he had to go into the darkness and determine whether he wanted to play this season or not, how long this runway might be with the Jets. But he's he's putting his money where his mouth is and seemingly committing to the two years with them. What was your reaction when you saw that he was reworking the deal as somebody that had covered him for a long time? Well, it, it, it kind of sniffed when he had said that he was not 90% retired before he went into the darkness and then he came out of the darkness and heard that the Packers were shopping him and that gave him the motivation to come back. Something didn't pass the sniff test when it came to that. Um, so the the fact that he has now already given a two-year commitment despite being 90% retired in February or early March whenever he actually went into that darkness retreat, those two things don't match up. So him deciding to give up $35 million, I don't care who you are, like that's shocking. Yeah. Like giving up $35 million is a lot of money to give up. And, and he would rework deals with the Packers 
but it would always just be pushing money into the future. You know, it's okay. So now his cap hit is smaller. So now you can re-sign other players to try to bolster the roster, whatever. He had done that a couple of times with the Packers, but this is something completely different. Just walking away from $35 million while also giving the Jets a second year commitment, barring any sort of, and he had mentioned that in his comments, you know, I don't know what's going to happen injury wise. My body's going to hold up, but right. this feels like a multi-year commitment. So giving them that, I, I think that's huge for the Jets because now your window isn't potentially just this one year and it doesn't have to be Super Bowl or bust in 2023. It opens up a two-year window for you and give you a little bit more of an opportunity for Aaron Rodgers to get comfortable with the new setting in New York. So we know that that defense is certainly a reason why they were in the position they were last year. Now they add Aaron Rodgers. We're seeing the highlight reel catches between he and Garrett Wilson. And we're wondering if Dalvin Cook is going to be added to the mix. The running back set to visit with the Jets this weekend. He was on Good Morning Football on NFL Network and talked about the possibility of signing with the Jets. I think they're pretty high, man. I think I think we're in a position of of you know a team that's building something special and I want to be a part of something special you know as a player and I want to add to just whatever they got going on so I think the the possibility is high right now you know of of getting things done Possibility is high, and I feel like if he's saying that publicly on NFL Network he must have some sort of confidence that they're pretty close right I would think so. If you're out there publicly on national television saying that this is where you want to go and they're already getting all of this attention with hard knocks and Aaron Rodgers being there and everything else that has gone into their offseason, like you mentioned, this defense, we know it's a really good defense. They almost carried Mike White, Joe Flacco, and all the other quarterbacks that they had under center last year to an AFC playoff appearance. So we know that defense is ready. Now you add a veteran running back in Dalvin Cook. Now you add, and, and their running game was fine last year, but you know they've got some guys coming off of injury there, so that just bolsters, bolsters that position. Aaron Rodgers showing up with a couple of wide receivers that he had in Green Bay last year, and Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, and adding that to what you already had with the Jets. That offense is starting to look pretty formidable in, in the AFC East, and again, Rodgers, Cook, and Wilson seems like a pretty good trio and a pretty good way to keep teams off balance. Well, clearly number eight, it's so weird, Gabe, for right? me to say number eight, but he like, is number eight now. Who's number eight? I know. Steve it's Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron Rodgers now. But <laughs> clearly number eight is a reason why Dalvin Cook is interested in potentially signing with the Jets. We mentioned he reduced his salary by about $35 million over the next two seasons. Dalvin Cook, what do you think about Aaron, Aaron Rodgers reworking his contract? I feel like that's the guy you want to be with. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it feel like. Um, you know, we date back to Tom Brady days, like when he was didn't make as much, you know. Yeah. He, but he was he wanted what he wanted around him, and that's what it was. And I think Aaron's at a spot where he just want to go win, prove to everybody, you know. I'm in a big city, we gonna go win and get this thing done. You know, you appreciate a guy like that, mm-hmm. and you and you go put it on the line for a guy like that. So whether that was his intention or not, people around the league, his peers, his teammates are are viewing it as a positive for Aaron Rodgers. Well, because people just don't do that. Again, like and, and he's made a bunch of money over the course of his NFL career and being a quarterback that's a four time MVP and is approaching the age of forty, he's he's had a couple of big contracts. Does you know, so but still, with all that money these he's made, people don't just go 
yeah, here's $35 million back because he was set to make $110 million with what was left in terms of guarantees and whatnot on the previous deal that he had when he arrived in New York that he signed with the Green Bay Packers. So for him to give back $35 million, especially in a climate where running backs are having Zoom meetings to try to figure out what they can do to potentially try to make more money in the league, yeah, that's going to catch people's attention. And I'm sure that's what Aaron Rodgers wanted as well, to have a little bit of good press you know, by giving back the $35 million and have the good vibes around this team. And yeah, maybe that opens up a little bit of money that the Jets can give to Dalvin Cook so they can try to bolster that offense. One more question for you, Gabe, as our Cantian Carlin, Aaron Rodgers insider. He is reworking his contract. He seems very happy, very complimentary about the organization. He has seemingly a great relationship with Zach Wilson. How different is this version of Aaron Rodgers compared to the version of Aaron Rodgers that you saw in Green Bay? Well, I think he had a pretty good relationship with Jordan Love, and and Love had talked about how he received and and texted back and forth with Aaron on the eve of training camp right before things opened up. So I think he he made sure he had a pretty good relationship with Jordan Love. His, His... issues weren't with the team Mm -hmm. maybe with the coaching staff at times he he would throw Matt LaFleur under the bus didn't like some of the play calls Um, there was an instance right after the game last year where they missed the playoffs after losing to Detroit on Sunday night football where he he threw LaFleur under the bus but his his he seemed to have the issues with the front office and I I think that's where he just didn't see eye to eye with 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 Brian Gutekunst the Packers general manager team president who serves as the de facto owner of the Green Bay Packers Packers and Mark Murphy didn't seem to see eye to eye with those guys so I think he he goes to the Jets and he's actually realized some of the mistakes that he's made he didn't show up to offseason activities for the Green Bay Packers last year and they had young wide receivers. You know, after trading away Devontae Adams, they they draft a couple of wide receivers. They, they, the the group is young. Didn't show up to try to get that rapport with them, and not even just on the field, but off the field. And you're seeing all that with Aaron Rodgers going to the Taylor Swift concerts, going to the uh, the Rangers playoff games, the Knicks mm-hmm. playoff games with teammates, making sure he's present at OTAs, making sure that he's there for his team. I think he's realized he's made some mistakes in the past. And now he's on his best behavior because he's with a new team and he wants to make sure because he realizes the time is short. Whether it's one year, whether it's two years, that's going to be a short window for him. And he wants to give himself and the Jets the best, possi- the, the best chance at winning a second championship. Great insight from Gabe Neitzel. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin. It's presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Dolphins quarterback Jalen Ramsey going to miss a few months. He's expected to undergo surgery on a meniscus tear in his left knee. The unit doesn't completely fall apart without Jalen Ramsey, but let's also not get it twisted. There's no replacing Jalen Ramsey. He's the best quarterback in the league, arguably. And Gabe, some rough news for the Miami Dolphins as cornerback Jalen Ramsey undergoing surgery today on his left meniscus. How long will he be out? Here's his head coach, Mike McDaniel, on the timeline for Jalen Ramsey's return. It's going to be into the season and how deep that is depends on kind of what happens today. He told all of his teammates not to worry, not to feel sorry for him. Whatever timeline the doctors give him, he's going after that timeline and trying to flex that he'll beat it. Our team was focused on making sure we do right by Jalen, be the best team that we can possibly be for when he gets back. And Gabe, he did have a positive attitude, but this is clearly a big loss for the Dolphins. Oh, absolutely. And when you're a team like the Dolphins, who 
you don't have the, the the top of the line elite quarterback like so many teams in the AFC do. You know, like the Bills, now the Jets, the Ravens, the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Chargers. You know, you've you've, you've got someone in Tua that you're hoping continues to grow, but obviously everyone's got questions whether or not he can stay healthy. So the margin for error for a team like the Dolphins, to me, is pretty slim. It's pretty slim for just about everyone in the AFC because there's going to be a team that we're talking about right now before the season starts that we think is a really good team that's probably going to end up missing the playoffs because that's how stacked the AFC is. So when you lose one of the best players at a pretty important position on your defense at corner in Jalen Ramsey, yeah, that's going to be a big deal. That, that is going to be a big deal. It's something that you're going to have to overcome. Now, it's not insurmountable, but your margin for error just continues to get a little bit smaller and smaller if you're the Dolphins because of just how stacked the AFC is. If this was in the NFC, I, I wouldn't think it was as big of a deal because it seems like he's going to be ready you know, at some point in the season. It's not like it's a season-ending injury. He's going to be with the team at some point, but in the AFC... The margin for error is going to be if you lose one game because Jalen Ramsey's not out there and somebody blows a coverage, that could be the difference between making and missing the postseason. Yeah, and you're right. So much of this hinges on Tua and his health. He played 26 of a possible 33 games in the past two years because of physical injuries and head injuries. We know last year he had two official three unofficial concussions last year. He spent the offseason getting right. We heard all of those reports about how he was taking jujitsu to learn how to fall better on the turf, but the, the Dolphins' success starts and ends with Tua. He was productive when he was out there last season, but can he be out there the entirety of the season? Here's Tua's head coach, Mike McDaniel, again on Tua taking that next step this year. There were so many things we asked Tua to do that was a first for him last year. Um... And to his credit, he was able to do a lot of really cool things. Ownership of it and knowing with conviction and confidence exactly why you're doing something so you can self-correct gives you a chance to um, take your game to another level. And um, he's, he's had a tremendous offseason. So do you have confidence, Gabe, that we'll be able to see Tua healthy for the entirety of the season? Yeah, because that's what it comes down to. I I think that Tua can continue to grow. I I Mm -hmm. like what I've seen in terms of the growth out of him, but when when you have that many concussions, and not to say that you know one concussion is more serious than the other, but just that many in that small time frame, and we know how bad that is for your health going forward, I think there's going to be a concern. That any time that Tua, you know, takes a hard hit, any time that Tua goes down to the turf a little too firmly, that you're going to be worried about him. And whether that's fair or not, this is just the reality of the situation. And I hope he can make it through because I think the Dolphins are one of the more exciting offenses in the league with yeah. the weapons they have on the outside and with what Tua was able to do last year. If he can continue to build off of that, but that's a legitimate concern going forward for the Dolphins. You're right. There, there's. Such a high ceiling and such a tough floor. They have the fourth toughest schedule in the NFL. So you talk about that margin of error being very slim for them. Tua was 8-5 and in his starts last year. If he can remain healthy, you hope that that continues to go up. And then when you look at that defense, they were 27th against the pass last year. So without Jalen Ramsey, that, that margin of error starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And if Tua can't be out there... 
they're just such an exciting team with so much promise, Gabe, and I hope that we get to see it come to fruition. I really do. But there's a lot of question marks and a lot of ifs surrounding the Miami Dolphins. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next, Colorado, their board unanimously approved a move from the Pac-12 to the Big 12. But what does this move mean for the Pac-12? And could the ACC look to expand as well? We're going to discuss it next on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more More than than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. The University of Colorado leaving the Pac-12 for the Big 12. The move will happen after next season. We looked at it from a lot of lenses. Um, first and foremost, what we felt was best for our student-athletes. If you're Oregon and Washington, what is the benefit of expanding? When you expand, you have to spice the monetary pie up more. And of the remaining Pac-12 schools who could go to the Big 12, uh, Arizona would be the likely favorite to go next. Alongside Gabe Neitzel, I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And as you just heard in Doug Brown's update, a situation that we've been monitoring, Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, he was carted off the field during yesterday's practice with a calf injury. The injury was a calf strain, and Bengals head coach Zach Taylor telling reporters today that he expects Joe Burrow to be sidelined for several weeks due to 
to that calf strain. Now let's pivot to college football. A lot happening with the landscape of the game. We welcome in our ESPN college football reporter, Heather Dinich, right now. Heather, thank you so much for the time. And the big story in college football right now, we got word that the University of Colorado leaving the Pac-12 for the Big 12 after the 23-24 season. The school formalized the future membership yesterday as they voted unanimously in favor of the move during a public video conference. What does this mean for the Pac-12? Now that Colorado is on the move, what is the state of the Pac-12 right now? Well, it means the Pac-12 is in a precarious position. But with that being said, it's on Commissioner George Kriavkov to present a TV deal as soon as humanly possible to the remaining presidents and chancellors that satisfies them enough to stick around. So they're in a time crunch right now. Uh, You know, Colorado grew impatient. They didn't say that publicly, but I think it was apparent. And in in talking to sources, that patience ran out. And there were a lot of other reasons that they went. And Colorado is probably a good fit for the Big 12 of all the Pac-12 schools. So I think it's important to remember that as the uncertainty looms over the Pac-12, it's also possible that they do stay at nine teams or they stay at nine and they add one more. It all hinges on what kind of a TV deal, a new media rights deal, their commissioner, Klyovkov, can present and if it satisfies the remaining presidents and chancellors. So it seems, Heather, that we hit this time of year and each of the last you know, two, three years, we see schools jumping ship going to different conferences. And when those conferences start to add, they typically want to add more. What's the Big 12 looking at doing in terms of growing their conference even more in terms of their membership? Multiple sources have told me that the Big 12's ideal number is 14 right now, and that's based on a football schedule. And so when all the dust settles and OU and Texas leave, and this year they've got BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF coming in, and Colorado after 23-24, they're going to have 13 teams. (laughs) That's a lot of teams to rattle off, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, they're going to have 13 teams. So they're saying, hey, We've got room for one more. Um, So by doing that, that puts some pressure on somebody else to say, hey, take us. We're we're the ones that you want, right? Who does that? Who raises their hand? And Commissioner Brett Yormark in the Big 12 has been public about contemplating within that league the notion of a basketball-only partnership. And I've had sources tell me this spring that there were conversations about the possibility of UConn and Gonzaga. But I think the Gonzaga thing has trailed off a little bit because now you are looking at it through the total package, football, basketball type lens. That doesn't necessarily rule UConn out to me because Jim Moore's got it trending in the right direction there for football. But at the end of the day, all eyes, I think, are on Arizona to see if they make a move or if they stand pat. And their president, Bobby Robbins, has said in the past, in June here in Washington, D.C., he has stated publicly that he would like to see the money before making such a monumental decision. Our ESPN college football reporter, Heather Dinich, joining us here on Canty and Carlin. And Heather, I want to go back to the Pac-12. And you talked about how they're in a very precarious position right now and they're waiting for that TV deal. What's the holdup? Because we know that these monstrous television deals are driving so much of this change that we're seeing in college football. So why hasn't that deal materialized for the Pac-12 yet? George Klyovkov said at Media Days last week in Las Vegas that as they have 
waited, more opportunities have opened and more bidders have come to the table. And he said that the presidents and chancellors in the Pac-12 were more concerned about getting the right deal than the expeditious one. So, you know, as you guys know, working at this company, there's been a lot of changes in the media landscape. Um, There's been a lot of budget cuts at places and money is a real thing. And so going through that whole process, not just here, but elsewhere in the market has been something that the PAC-12 has been wading through as in W-A-D-I-N-G through with everybody else. Um, And now that everybody's sort of coming out on the other side of it here, what he was saying was that there have been more opportunities as time has gone on. Once one conference starts to expand, then you start seeing it in every other conference as well. And in terms of media rights deals, the SEC, the Big Ten have kind of separated themselves from the pack and all these others you know, want to add to their conference to try to put together these huge media deals. What about the ACC? What's the ACC trying to do in, in terms of expansion this offseason? ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips has also been very public about saying, hey, we're watching everything that's going on and we would be open to expansion as well. The bottom line is this. Conferences, including the ACC, don't want to add teams just for the sake of it. It has to bring value. And my colleague David Hale has a story up on ESPN.com reporting that at one point the ACC did models and studies about possibly adding programs like West Virginia, Oregon, Washington, SMU, and at the end of the day, they weren't able to determine that any particular program out there brought enough value worth opening that conversation. Now, there is one property out there on the Monopoly board that's still very valuable. That's Notre Dame. But Jim Phillips in the ACC said that the Irish have made it very clear to him um, repeatedly that they intend to remain independent. At CFB Heather is her handle. Be sure to follow Heather Dinich on social media for all the latest information from our ESPN College Football Reporter. Thanks so much, Heather. We appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Alongside Gabe Neitzel, I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next on Canty and Carlin, it's our ESPN Radio NFL Two-A-Days. We take a look at the Carolina Panthers. Could Bryce Young lead this team to, to the playoffs in his rookie year? We'll discuss it next on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Hey, let's go do our job, man. NFL Nation 2 a day. Time is here. On ESPN Radio. The Carolina Panthers. Blue 58. Go. This is David Newton covering the Panthers. 
Rookie quarterback Bryce Young was Carolina's top story during offseason workouts, and the top pick of a draft remains at in camp. While the job is his to lose, Young has to prove in pads against multiple defenses. His ability to process and make plays translates into the NFL to show he's ready to be the day one starter and make this a playoff team. Coach Frank Wright believes with a line back intact and weapons such as running back Miles Sanders and Adam Thielen that he's created a roster that will allow Young to flourish. But he still has to see it, particularly in joint practices against the Jets. Said Wright, you get to OTAs, it's great. You get a good look at people. But you really don't know until you put the pads on. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Michelle Smallman, Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio, and it is time to examine the Carolina Panthers and our NFL Radio, or excuse me, our ESPN Radio NFL Two-A-Days. And Gabe, our, our conversations about the Panthers are always going to start and end with Bryce Young. So much of their success this year is going to hinge on the development of Bryce Young. I think that it's going to be really interesting to see where the Panthers end up this year, specifically because that division, the NFC South, is filled with question marks. It's such a, a quote-unquote weak division that if Bryce Young comes in and hits the ground running, we could see them have some success. But what does success look like for the Carolina Panthers this year, in your opinion? To me, it's all about, like you said, it's all about Bryce Young. Whether or not it's a playoff team, it's it's not going to be necessarily a Super Bowl team. Obviously, you'd love to make the playoffs and get you know Bryce Young playoff experience right away. But to me, it's how does he look day one versus the end of the season, and is is he making that progress that they need for him to be the franchise quarterback that they believe he is? Since they gave up all the capital that mm-hmm. they did to move up and take that number one pick away from the Bears and, and take him with that number one overall pick, so to me, and this is a team that you know surprisingly ended up going seven and ten last year after getting off to the rough start, and they they fire Matt Rule. I like Frank Reich. I think he's a, he, I think he is the right coach for Bryce Young in or, in, or, in terms to you know develop him, bring him along. They got him some weapons, and that division does make it interesting. If, if the Panthers ended up winning that division at nine and eight, I don't think anybody would be shocked. But I don't think that this is going to be a team that's going out there and, and, and rolling teams and going to be one of the favorites in the NFC. They could make the playoffs because of how weak the division is, but it's all about the development of Bryce Young. Couldn't agree more. Even if they replicate their win total from last season, if you're around seven, eight wins maybe, but you feel like Bryce Young is the franchise, you erase a lot of the doubts you have about him. You're not we're not talking about him at five foot ten being a question mark. The size isn't a question mark. If you feel at the end of the season that the arrow is pointing up on your team and that this is the guy I think it's a success. Yeah, and, take- and even in a division where you have a lot of runway to do some damage because there's question marks surrounding you, I still think that's the only thing I'm going to measure success on this team by. Yeah, 100%. Because you take a look at some of the young quarterbacks across the league. We've talked about Joe Burrow, and he's had all the success, you know, in terms of the statistics and, and what he's done in the postseason. But somebody like Justin Herbert. The Chargers haven't had the playoff success, but nobody has questions about the Chargers quarterback position going forward because they know Herbert is that good that we've seen him progress. And yes, now that's the next step for him. So that's to me, okay, Bryce Young, go out there and show that you can be the guy and that, yes, those wins and losses, those wins are just going to continue to pile up as you get older and continue to develop. So we know that Bryce Young has the resume. He's a national champion. He won the Heisman Trophy. The The list goes on and on. We know he had a ton of success in the SEC. But those pictures, Gabe, have come out. We've seen him in training camp. He is 5'10", and he looks small compared to a lot of his teammates. (laughs) Now, granted, 
Again, he's had a lot of success at the collegiate level. That doesn't always translate to the NFL. Does the size concern you at all? A little bit, but teams have been so creative in terms of you know smaller quarterbacks and, and being able to figure it out. Not, the Cardinals figured it out briefly with Kyler mm-hmm. Murray when, when he had that really hot start to the season a couple of years ago that led to him getting the contract extension that he got, and he's a little bit on the smaller side. Clearly, Drew Brees had all the success that he had in the NFL. Even Russell Wilson. Teams have been able to figure it out where, yeah, it's nice if you're more that prototypical 6'3", 6'4", size, but if you're good enough, even though you're a little smaller, teams can figure it out, and, and teams become you know more dynamic. Bryce Young isn't the type of guy who's going to be able to you know, run the ball like Lamar Jackson does, but he's athletic enough where you move the pocket for him, you get him out, he's going to be able to pick up, you know, that five to ten yards you need to pick up a first down with his legs because he's athletic enough. So that that's a part of his game, I think, that the Panthers really can rely upon, moving that pocket around, moving him around to give him those clearer throwing lanes because of his size. I'm not necessarily concerned about it, but I, I do wonder about the durability, right? Like if mm-hmm. you have these defensive linemen coming at you and they're taking you down and that's a, that's a lot for your body to absorb. That, that hit feels different for a Bryce Young than it does for a Josh Allen. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so I, I'm just, I'm interested to see. As you mentioned, what does he look like at the beginning of the season and what does the wear and tear look like at the end of the season? But until we see it, play out i think that they've done their due diligence on him he is a guy who knows how to get the job done so i think we'll see that translate especially um early on okay so what is your your biggest concern about this team what's the biggest concern facing the panthers in 2023 i I, yes it's nice to go out and get miles sanders but trading away um, you know, as part of that package and giving up your best wide receiver to get Bryce Young, I've got some questions about the weapons. Adam Thielen is certainly on the back part of his career, wasn't super productive in Minnesota towards the end, which is one of the reasons they were okay with him leaving. DJ Chark is somebody who's been up and down. I've got questions about their weapons being consistent enough to help Bryce Young continue to develop. Because again, that's the only important thing to me, is how is he going to develop? And Miles Sanders, I believe in. I think he's a good enough back, but what about the guys he's going to end up throwing the football to? Do you have enough weapons that are going to get open that he can continue continue to gain that confidence as the season goes along. Yeah, I'm with you. In addition to the questions about Bryce Young, you certainly hope that the offense finds more explosive plays. I, I'm also looking, Gabe, at the defense. You know, they bring in a Jero Averro as the D.C. He was great uh, with Denver. And I just wonder what he can do with this defense. You need to see steps forward on both sides of the ball. But at the end of the day, I think that we're going to see this be an average football team. I don't think we're going to see much more of a, a progression in the wins column than we did last year. And I think that's okay. Even though that there's a lot of questions around the division and a lot of people think the Panthers might be in that conversation, I think as long as they have a relative amount of success and their quarterback looks like the answer, that's good. Yeah, it, it's about building. When, when you decide to trade for the number 1 overall pick, yeah, I mean, maybe you can become a playoff team. Maybe. But that shouldn't be the expectations in year one. That's too high of expectations for Bryce Young. You have to let him develop. And you gave up some some assets in order for that to happen. Now you have to rebuild those assets mm-hmm. and kind of build that team around Bryce Young. Yeah, 6-7 wins seems about right for the, for the Panthers.
He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Michelle Smallman. You can follow him on social media at gneitzel16. I'm at msmallman. And you can always give us a call, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776 if you want to join in on the conversation. But coming up, Joe Burrow likely out for several weeks due to his calf. Should he return without a new deal? We talk about it next right here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.